Pods of the Gay Springfield, eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. Do we number the eat my shorts? Uh, if we do, then this would be number five. Number I five. Believe. Number five. EMS five. So today we will be looking at the American classic candy bar, the Butterfinger, featured very prominently in a number of uh, Simpsons ads. Yes. For the aforementioned product, a number of commercials that for Butterfingers mm. that the Simpsons. Did. Yes. Now, as many of you who listen to the podcast know, I am a media critic. That is the job that I perform outside of this. Sure. But uh, for today, I'll be taking on the role of the candy bar critic. The candy bar critic. Yes, the candy bar critic. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, cool. Yes. And what am I? Some idiot? You're my friend Nick. I'm, I'm your friend Nick. Yes. Okay. So... To really get to the heart of the Butterfinger and the relationship between the Butterfinger and the Simpsons and America, I think. Can probably. I start eating the Butterfinger or not yet? I think we should we should do we'll, some preamble on we'll, the we'll Butterfinger hold off. before okay. we. Okay. Now the Butterfinger originated in 1923, Chicago. The year that the first issue of Time magazine was published. To put, you know, to put some perspective on this. I love my Time magazine. I know you do. Maybe I'll read it tomorrow in the park. Supposed to be a beautiful day. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, It was invented by a man named Otto uh, Schoening. Schoening? He was known as the Candy Bar King. He was 31 years old when he invented the Butterfinger. Did he have particularly buttery fingers? I believe he did, yes. uh, His fingers were constantly covered in a mix of butter and margarine. Oh, it was a real problem oh, he for went him. For a, he went for a blend. And um, the other children in the playground would say to him, Hey, Butterfinger, you have fingers made out of butter. And he would say, I'll show you. I'll show you all. I'll show you what a Butterfinger can do. That was ten fingers ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, he was born and raised in Chicago. So I think while we're eating this chocolate bar, we should be thinking, what does it tell us about Chicago? About what is Chicago. uniquely Chicagoian sure. about the Butterfinger? Do we broaden it out to the state of Illinois generally, or are we limiting it only to Chicago? Are you talking about Illinois, the Sophie and Stevens album? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. I'm talking about the state. Are you talking about John Wayne Gacy, who was from Illinois? Uh, I don't think I'm talking about John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> okay, good. I might be talking about Clark Griswold. Now, one thing I would like to consider is that in 1923, when the Butterfinger was first released, yes. alcohol was illegal in Chicago. Prohibition was in effect. Prohibition. So I would think they would gladly take anything that even vaguely resembles something pleasurable, something sugary, something sweet, something maybe crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery. Crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery, I think yes. the Butterfinger... May have... Yes. So when we eat these Butterfingers... Yes. Which just... We do, we do actually yeah, have some crispy, they're crunchy... But so when we're eating these, are we looking for the same kind of palate that we would get from whiskey, beer, or is it is it just just a shitty little candy bar? Well, how long have you been without alcohol now? Like twelve hours, <laughs> if if that. <laughs> I just want you to think about what if you couldn't drink ever again with the Butterfinger, <laughs> with the Butterfinger substitute. For the sweet, delicious brown liquors that you have come to know and love. I don't... Okay. I I will keep that hypothetical in my head for when we eat the Butterfinger. 
In 2010, uh, but got a lot of writing on that page. Made 598 million dollars. They were the 11th most. What? That's a lot. 11th most popular candy bar in the United States. It's a big popular candy bar. We don't have it over here. No. I had to buy these Butterfingers from an import store. Yeah. They were $3 a piece. Mm. And now we've got them. Uh, and I also never feel, took off over here. I also feel like because I'm a very pedantic person when it comes to Australian English and American English. Sure. I feel like, you know, Mars bars and Twix and things like that, I refer to those as all, all as chocolate bars. Yes. America has an issue with that. They prefer to... They prefer uh, my understanding is their meaning of chocolate bar is things that are completely solid chocolate, sure. n- not things They would like call this a candy bar. bar. They would call this a candy bar. You've been referring to it as a candy bar. Mm. I'm happy for that to take place because this is a strictly American thing. Yeah, it's the sort of thing you might get from the candy dandy. Oh, yes, from the candy dandy. Which, by the way, a, um, a listener pointed out to us on Facebook. I've forgotten the man's name. I apologize. But a, uh, a listener pointed out to us very recently... Mm. That in the opening credits for The Simpsons, as it pans in on the school, you can actually see the Candy Dandy store. Now, is that the same store that once said semi-painless dentistry? Remember I spoke about that very early on? Ooh. In Yeah, I reckon the semi-painless dentistry place went out of business and was replaced with a candy shop, which curiously would have kept the dentistry in business longer. Very interesting. Mm. Legitimately quite interesting. Mm, we'll I have, think so. We'll have to reflect on this a little yeah. bit, but yes. Maybe there is more continuity in the opening credits than we gave the credits credit for. Is there a possibility that this will crack our teeth and we will require some sort of semi-painless no, dentistry after crunching down on this uh, crispity, crunchy, buttery, peanut buttery, buttery finger? Crispity, crunchy, peanut buttery. From 1988 until 2001... Peanut butter, the Butterfinger, peanut butter, the Butterfinger advertised with the Simpsons. A lot of ads came out with, uh, you know, Bart Simpson eating Butterfingers and their various uh, variants. Yes. Butterfinger Bites, Butterfinger Snackers, the Butterfinger Mini, Butterfinger Buzz, the Butterfinger Ice Cream Bar, Butterfinger Crisp, Butterfinger Coca Mix, Butterfinger Cups. Cups. It was on for young and old. BBs. Yeah, BBs. That was... uh, that's not on my list, but yes, there were the Butterfinger BBs. Some we just of the, saw uh, some, some ads. ads we just yes. watched, yeah. So that went until 2001, where the deal was terminated for unknown reasons, which is, funnily mm. enough, around the same time the show started to get pretty bad. Interesting. Do, do, do you think the, the relationship with Nestle was keeping the Simpsons afloat? <laughs> I think maybe... the. Uh, I think maybe think Otto were- Schoening, who I guess at this point would have been... About 103 years old was maybe watching The Simpsons and said, you know what? Not a fan anymore. Or is Let's it... Let's yank our bars out of there. See, I'm not sure if it was that way or the other way around. Was it that the writers had a much more difficult time producing good content without the wonderful sugary saturated fat high of the crispity crunchity peanut buttery Butterfinger? That is a valid question, Nick. And as a media critic, I think it is something we have to consider. Authorial intent versus the intent of the consumer is definitely something... A Butterfinger's art... That is one of the questions I have here that we will be addressing today. Fuck. Although I have a much broader question of whether candy is art. Oh, okay. Interesting. The gummy de Milo was. Now, if we think of them purely in aesthetic terms, could we say that the aesthetics of candy, which drives us to desire its consumption, sure. is that not a form of art? It's certainly a form of advertising. Is advertising art? There's a lot to dig into here. Were these ads art? Oh, uh, there's f- a... There's a lot to dig into There's definitely the distinction between the fact that they feature art, but are they art in and of themselves? These are the questions that uh, we must pose as media critics and, to some extent, philosophers. Sure. 
So wait, but but I'm just your friend. <laughs> I'm neither. I'm not a critic or a philosopher. From a legal perspective, you you spe- the candy you, bar art. You specifically introduced me as being your friend. Anyway, you are my friend. Thanks, man. So there's a joke in a later season of The Simpsons, right after they discontinued their deal with Butterfinger. Mm where they throw a bunch of Butterfingers into a fire when Sugar gets banned from Springfield and they bounce back out. Sure. And Chief Wiggum says, even the fire doesn't want them. Which I feel is my main takeaway of the relationship between The Simpsons and Butterfinger, despite there being Positive. like 20 different ads where they talk about how much they love Butterfinger. The moment mm. this advertising run ended, they mm. put in the harshest joke possible about this candy bar. Interesting. And look, it's not for me to say whether candy is art or not. It's not my place. It's not your place. But let's delve into this. Should we we open our butter fingers? Yeah. And uh, once we have tried the bar, I have some questions that I would like to pose. Okay. So, are we going? Are we going in for a simultaneous first bite or are we... I suppose so. Mine has cracked slightly. Oh, yours has cracked. Is that okay? It is. Okay. God, this, I, I, it smells mad peanut butter. It's got a very peanut buttery scent to it. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Should we crunch into it? Do you think it'll be crispy and crunchy? I would like to imagine. Jeez. Mm. All listeners are going to hate the sound of us chewing. If I was to describe the flavor in one word, it would be sugar. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. And it is overwhelmingly fatty. Mm. Has a sort of greasy texture to it. It is much like just chowing into a bar of butter. Look, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever eaten. Mm. It does have that pleasing combination of sugar, fat and salt. Because I also think, judging by the taste, there is a lot of salt in here. If I was hungover, I think this would be incredible. This has four. This this little bar has four percent of my daily recommended salt intake. It has a lot of salt in it. But will I ever eat another one? I don't fucking think so. <laughs> will I finish this one? Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Although I don't know how they took peanut butter and made it crispy crunchy. Hmm. Why did they make I it? I suppose so- they have a special machine for that. Yeah. A machine that pumps room temperature fat into fucking peanut butter so that it solidifies at room temperature. I'd like to ask a few questions about... A few questions for us to consider oh. as a media critic and his friend about the, the Butterfinger. Now... This is, this is so sugary. We know from the ads that laying a finger on another person's Butterfinger is an inherently transgressive act. If I was to reach over... And lay a finger upon your butter finger, which I'm not inclined to do. Please don't. It would be an act of transgression. What do you think of the politics involved in eating a candy bar like this? I just don't think you should be touching anyone else's candy bar at any point. No. I mean, I think you could equally say, um, you know, uh, nobody better put their dicks on my Twix. (laughs) And you have been saying that. Mm. By the way, I noticed you had a Twix in the cupboard. And I was overwhelmed. Wait, what the fuck have you done to my cupboard, Twix? <laughs> I was overwhelmed with a desire that I did not act upon. Okay, good. Good. Because um, um, the transgressive nature of candy, or as we call it here, chocolate, mm. is um, definitely something that drives the way we interact mm. 
with these sugary treats. Uh, now, this bar sells itself as a crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery bar. Has language evolved beyond these terms or simply not caught up to them yet, do you think? Are these terms that represent the future of language or are they a part of the past of how we talk? Uh, crispity, crunchity feel like very 90s terms to me. Yep. Um, oh, this is actually so sugary, it's doing my head in. I'm going to finish it though, because sure. I love my listeners and I need completeness for them. Mm. Um, oh, it's. Oh, I live. Like, look, I'm going to say something that could cause me to be judged. I live a mostly sugar free life. Like, I'm not militantly anti sugar, it's just that I don't have a particularly sweet tooth. Certainly. That's why the Twix that's in my cupboard, and Twix is my favourite chocolate. That Twix has been there for about a month. That Twix has been there for a while. Mm. Um, for multiple recordings. Mm. Um, and so when I have something sugary like this, it is really doing a number on me. But I'm going to continue reading it. Now, the language thing. Words like crispity crunchity, they make me think of early Nickelodeon wars of people getting slimed. Nick, ma- Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Yes. Um, it makes me think of, uh, remember that show Wild and Crazy Kids where people also got slimed? The words crispity, crunchity seem to be intermingled with the period in late 80s, early 90s entertainment where it was mostly revolved around slime. Sure. And I think we've evolved beyond that. We've I think, evolved beyond slime. I think the, the slime, slime to entertainment ratio... The slime, the gack, that period of time... I, ru- I ruined uh, one of mum's friend's carpet with some gack ones. That's unfortunate. Uh, my favourite thing about gack was pushing it back into the container because it made a big farty sound. Yes. Like that. Mm. Great. Was um, gack art, do you think? Was gack art? Mm. I think you could make art with gack, but I don't think That's gack... That's interesting. So it was more of a material. I think it's more of a material. Okay. Much in the way that paint is not art, but mm. you can make art with paint. Derwent watercolour pencils. <laughs> no. Um... Okay, so why is it so dry? <laughs> have we uh, have we reached a conclusion on that question? I suppose we have. Let's move on to the next one. When we consider the ethical quandaries of marketing sugar to children, what? Okay, should we consider Bart's involvement in this advertising campaign deplorable? Well, should we think that maybe Bart is committing an act of some ethical uh, ethical transgression? Almost certainly. Yeah. Especially because in the first ad that we watched, in the collection of ads that we watched, um, he refers to Butterfingers as being one of the essential food groups. And then when Milhouse says he doesn't have a Butterfinger, Bart says that he may not survive. Um, he implies he may become malnourished and die. Yes. I feel like that is a um, ridiculous tactic. And actually, something that would be interesting kind of, but I can't be bothered looking it up, is I wonder if there was part of the reason the deal ended in 2001 was to do with maybe a change, an, an impending change in advertising laws. Because mm. there are laws in Australia about advertising products to kids. You can't use uh, well-known products to advertise junk food. But, sorry, well-known characters to advertise junk food. Yeah, That's why all the... Um, you know, like cereal brands and stuff, they've had to develop their own characters, like Toucan Sam on the Fruit Loops or whatever it is. Yeah, um, Johnny Cornflakes, the man who just really loves cornflakes. Sure. Um, uh, and it's why, you know, you can't you can't take um, 
uh, Elsa from Frozen and use her to sell Mars bars. You can't put Ren and Stimpy on the Domino's box anymore. Not, not anymore, mm. exactly. Um, and so I think in Australia, uh, I, I don't know when those laws came in, but Butterfingers ads featuring Bart Simpson would have had a very hard time getting off the ground here mm. after the change in those laws. I least. remember as a child, just uh, every junk food would have Pokemon on it. Sure. Pokemon or maybe Mario. Mm. Okay, oh so do we think uh, maybe Bart Simpson should have turned down this deal? She has said, hey man, I don't want to be part of your system. I ain't getting my fingers covered in Butterfinger. Yeah. Perhaps Bart has come away from all of this with even dirtier fingers than he realized. Now, how has the uh, bar form of chocolate, do you think, influenced our understanding of what a Butterfinger is? And to really get into this, I'd like to consider Marshall McLuhan's understanding of what a medium can be. And if we talk about his definition of the term medium as the, uh, the form of medium embodying itself in any message that the product itself would transmit or convey. For instance, we understand uh, that movies and games play with speed and time in interesting ways. They play with uh, conceptions of these to transform the world into sequences and connections. Uh, they transform those sequences and connections into creative configurations and structure. Or like uh, we understand that the social effect of a light bulb is this transformation of a space into an inviting one, that sort of thing. We understand how medium and message are connected in these ways. With all of that in mind, what is a chocolate bar? This one doesn't taste like peanut butter anymore. My mouth has been so fucking coated in bloody horrendously sugary fats and salts and a lot of hydrogenated palm kernel oil. I think that's what's doing me in. I do admit what that after saying eat- about What were you saying about light bulbs? Uh, well, you turn a light bulb in and you say, hey, I can go in that room now. So what is a candy bar? Uh, oh, what? I'm not... What? What's a candy bar? A, do you mean like a, a pub? What did, we, what did we just eat? What oh, was that? We just ate a Butterfinger. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say that all candy bars are Butterfingers, but all Butterfingers are a subset of candy bar. That's an interesting point. Elaborate. Christ. Okay. I mean, a Kit Kat is... I mean, I'd call that a chocolate bar, but Americans would call it a candy bar. Now, is a Kit Kat one bar or is it four bars? Wait, this is the Twix conundrum again. Yeah, I was about to say, we had this conversation literally two weeks ago. I will admit, having eaten this Butterfinger, I think I might be dying right now. I am honestly feeling so unwell. Yeah, I feel like my blood has been replaced with sugar mm. and my heart, while not beating with any extra rhythm is definitely eroding in on itself. I really recommend that anyone out there in podcast world um, do yourself what I will loosely describe as a favour. Go to an American import kind of store, get yourself a Butterfinger, because I think you will not um, understand the true horror of what we've just done until you can experience it yourself. Maybe get yourself some broccoli while you're at it, I want to say. And the ingredients for a Bloody Mary. Because I've definitely just eaten this, and now I am thinking, what am I doing with life? Was this a good decision? Was this a smart thing to do? No, it wasn't a good decision. Which makes me think, is that maybe the purpose of the Butterfinger? Is the purpose of the Butterfinger not so much the crispity-crunchity taste or the peanut buttery sugary hit, but rather the fact that eating it is an act that makes you consider your own mortality 
but also the purpose of what you've been doing. Are you not meant to eat the Butterfinger and think, am I on the right path? Was this a smart move? What does this represent about who I am? Is it in the best interests of Nestle to give children existential crises? I think it might be. Or do adults get affected by these things differently to children? So you think maybe a child uh, who is unformed, you know, they've gone through the Laconian mirror state, but beyond that, they're mostly unformed. They eat the Butterfinger and they simply think, isn't it good to have a rush of sugar? Yeah. Uh, This is great. I feel it in my veins. This is what it is to truly be alive. Whereas we eat the Butterfinger as adults and we think, I feel the sugar in my veins. This is what it's going to feel like when I die. It honestly feels like I'm dying. Yeah. I'm going to drink so many litres of water after this recording's done. Sorry sorry that I haven't been able to engage with the Butterfinger on the deep psychosocial level that you want me to engage with it on. I just feel ill. It contains 2% of the daily iron that you require. Oh, that's good. Iron helps us play. Exactly. So, um... Look, what have you learned from this experience? Boys love candy. Boys do love candy, absolutely. And uh, what do you think the Simpsons maybe took away from this candy bar? Do you think this bar is ingrained into the show? Do you think the manic energy of those early seasons has something to do with the the fact that the team was probably being plied with Butterfinger at all times? Huh, that's interesting. I think what they took away from it was a lot of money. Yeah. uh, I do think that there's, if there was such a strong relationship with Nestle, uh, that maybe there was a you know constant supply of these in a corner of a writing room, and that may explain why some of the early seasons are so damn erratic. I can't um, imagine John Schwartzwelder eating a lot of these. You can. I can. You can. I can. For some reason, I can. <laughs> We're now stuck in a loop of. Um, Reaffirm. <laughs> both of us, both of us, are looking around the room like hopped up meerkats. Oh. oh, I'm not sure if I had the capacity to do any more words <laughs> for the next twenty minutes. I may just lay on my bed and cry. So, in summation, it's not my place. Like I said, to talk about whether the Butterfinger is art. It's not my place to say whether the packaging is art or whether the advertising that we have witnessed is a form of artistic expression. All I can really say is that I wish deep in my bones that I had not eaten this Butterfinger bar. I have to say, the the first bite was pretty good. Mm. But beyond the first bite, it has become an increasingly large mistake. I definitely feel like I have been poisoned. I feel like I've been bitten by a poisonous bug and... A bugger finger. Yes, a bugger finger. And it... Shit. And uh, originally it gave me a bit of a rush, a bit of excitement, but slowly I feel my organs shutting down one by one. I can feel the lights turning off in each individual part of my body. Making them less welcoming. Exactly, yes. It is like Marshall McLuhan said about how we mean, reconfigured time and space and all that shit. Do you mean Martin Clunes, that British actor that does, like... Not Inspector Morse. He does the, the spin-off from Inspector Morse. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about Martin Clunes, the guy who does some sort of spin-off from Inspector Morse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. The only, um, the only show conveyed entirely in Morse code. The name was actually Morse's Code, I think, of that spin-off. Possibly. I don't know. I haven't <clears throat> seen any of this. Can we end the podcast? I don't know that we can. I think this is. I think we're locked in now. Uh, I think this might be 
what life is going to be like from now on. Oh, I just meant this episode. I didn't. I didn't mean the. Whole, I didn't mean the entire run. I feel like maybe this post Butterfinger world. Uh... Actually, no. I'm crashing pretty hard. Let's bring an end to it. So yep. this was the Butterfinger episode. Oh, uh, I guess our primary advice is don't trust advertising. <laughs> no. Because um, whilst it may be crispity and crunchity and peanut buttery, it is by no means enjoyable if you eat an entire one to yourself. I do notice on the back of the packaging, they actually give you a tip on how to save some for later. And that's just by twisting the open end so that one end of it remains sealed. Uh, it's good to know they've got um, a kind of failure built into their own system this is a 54 gram bar that contains 24 grams of sugar oh god (laughs) should we split a twix yep all right so that has been the butterfinger episode of pods in the key oh i'm spring i'm dying oh james is dead um pods in the key of springfield i like that he's gone to the effort of laying down on the table in this i mean strictly speaking not necessary um key springfield on twitter are you actually okay yeah i'm good <laughs> oh you're fine uh key springfield on twitter uh pods in the key of springfield on instagram and facebook pods in the key of springfield at gmail.com you will also be able to find us in a hospital emergency room shortly i imagine so please remember don't you lay a fucking finger on our butterfingers. You got that? Don't even think about it. These are ours. If you come for us, we will come back at you with everything we have. To be fair, I'm not going to be offended if you take away the butterfingers from, from me. I want no more of these in my future. That's also... That's fair. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>